Friends, you know the drill. There's stacks of chairs here and there and there. Don't hit anybody in the face. Take care of one another as you grab your chair or not grab your chair. Your choice. It's also a great opportunity to snag a Bible if you need one. The shelves by the front door have a bunch for you. But if you got one, you should bring your Bible to next on Wednesdays. Seems like a good idea. Good work. I like it. All right. And you all know the rules, right? Everybody's got to be on the carpet. If you look down and you're like, I'm not sitting on the carpet right now, then scoot in so that you're on the carpet. Dudes over here. I see a lot of phones. Be mature. Make a good decision with your phone. Hold each other accountable to making good decisions with your phones, especially dudes in my small group. All right. We ready to go? I'm excited to preach from God's word tonight, so I'm excited that you're here. All right. Friends in the back, if you're going to be on your phone, you know the drill. Lucas, come on, dude. Come on. And no, if I have to call you out, it, it'll be on YouTube. If I call you out, it's on YouTube. This is all being recorded, so... I'm just saying, I'm just saying, let's go, all right, I do, it's the most downloaded app on the App Store. Hey, uh, for those of you who come to small groups on Sundays, sorry I wasn't there, I was actually down in Chicagoland at Wheaton College where I went to school, uh, I, I did not eat Chicago pizza while I was there, I did eat a Los Burrito, which if you know, you know. Uh, but it was homecoming, our big rivalry game against our most hated rival, and my five-year college reunion all wrapped up into one weekend. And so being back on campus, it kind of, you know, all the memories started flooding back. All the memories, like funny moments with my roommates, epic wins on the football field, uh, tons of growth that happened, like both like academically in the classroom, but just as a person, I really feel like my like four years of college were like identity shaping for me. I really like, I became who I am because of the, the people and the experiences that I had when I was in college. And so in this series called Known, we've been talking about identity and, and, and being back on campus at Wheaton brought back a few things that kind of made me start thinking about identity. The, the first one was actually 10 years ago when I was being recruited to play football at Wheaton. And I went on a recruiting visit. And so I went, spent a weekend on campus with the guys on the team, got to, you know, stay with, with a couple of the guys on the team. And as I met all these players, all these coaches, I felt like I got asked the same, like, five questions. Like, every single dude I would meet, they'd be like, hey, what's your name? Where are you from? What position do you play? Is your team any good? And do you have a girlfriend? It was like, those, those were like the five questions, right? In one short conversation, those five things, they kind of learned everything they needed to know about me, right? All the important stuff anyway. 
It's kind of like, you know, like, what position do I play? Is my team any good? That's kind of like, are you any good? You know, the girlfriend, like, relationship status question. Right? All of these kind of circumstantial things about me that, that sort of make me me. And then the second memory that I had while I was down on campus at Wheaton was from nine years ago. And it was my freshman year. I first set foot on campus. And me and my roommate, Eric, who's my best friend in the world, we were setting up our dorm room freshman year. And we had all of the essentials, everything you would need for the perfect dorm room setup. Eric brought the big screen TV. I brought the Xbox. Eric brought the coffee maker. I brought the mini fridge. Everything you need for a dorm room right there, right? One thing we were missing, no one had a couch. So, I mean, what good is it if you've got the big screen TV and the Xbox if you don't have a place to sit and play Xbox, right? So we went to this used furniture store that was like 10 minutes from campus to go buy a couch for our dorm room. And let me tell you, I found the perfect couch. Absolutely goaded for naps. So incredibly comfortable, and it only cost me $5. One Abraham Lincoln got me the best couch that I have ever owned in my entire life. The only problem with this perfect couch is that it was white. White furniture is impossible to keep clean, so it came pre-stained. Like, nothing gross, but like, my perfect couch had some stains on it, so we went to Target, and we got a $20 couch cover, so fabric that goes all over the couch, on the couch cushions, hides all the stains, increases the comfort level a little bit. It was perfect. Best $25 all in that I have spent in my entire life. So we get this couch into our room, and, and maybe a few months into our freshman year, we're like, ah, it's probably time to, to wash this couch cover. So we, we pull off the couch cover, get ready to throw it in the washing machine, but we notice something wedged in the back of the couch, like where the, the seat and the back of the couch kind of meet, like wedged in there, you could hardly see it, was a wallet. And, and I realized really quickly, I mean, this couch cover had been on the couch as long as we'd owned it, like, it's not my wallet, it's not... Eric's wallet. It's not any of our friends on the dorm floor's wallet. Like, this is a random person's wallet. So we like pry it out of the couch. We get it and there's a Blockbuster rewards card. $30 in cash. Like I made a profit on my couch. And a driver's license. And I, I quickly deduced, based on the Blockbuster's rewards card and the fact that the driver's license expired in 2005, that this wallet had been in this couch for a very, very long time. I also noticed that on this driver's license, of course I kept it. What do you mean? <laughs> I noticed that on this driver's license, I had everything I needed to know about some man whose name I can't say because this video is gonna go on YouTube. But I had his address, at least as of 2005. It says his birthday, his, his height, his weight, his eye color. His social security number is even on here. Like I have everything on one piece of plastic to steal this man's identity. I would never do so, but, but all, of these, all of these characteristics about this guy, I just can get from his ID. 
So hear me now. Your name, your hometown, your high school team someday, your relationship status, that's definitely one way that you could define your identity. Like, this is who I am. Right? All these pieces of information that are a little bit circumstantial, they could easily be different, but that's a way that you could define who you are. Your address, height, weight, eye color, like that's another way that you could define who you are. Those characteristics that they probably won't always stay the same. But I want to argue tonight. I want to argue that your identity is actually way, way deeper than circumstances and characteristics. And here's why I want you to hear this. I want you to internalize it right now tonight. If your identity is based on external circumstances, if your identity is based on current characteristics, then you will crumble. And you will crumble when the season changes. And you will be left without a solid foundation for who you really are. When your external circumstances change, when you're no longer an athlete, when you move away from the town you grew up in, who are you going to be? When your current characteristics change, like your hair color, eye color, height, weight, like those things change over the course of your life. When you don't look the way that you look right now, who are you? So here's my big idea for tonight. The thing that I like, I want you to walk out of here knowing. It says you were made on purpose and for a purpose. You were made on purpose and for a purpose. Your identity is so much deeper than you thought. So we're going to be back in Psalm 139 tonight. So go ahead, start flipping there in your Bibles. And some of the things we've already learned the last few weeks about Psalm 139, we know that it was written by David, King David. He ended up writing actually 73 out of the 150 Psalms in our Bible. Some Jewish scholars, they actually think that Psalm 139 is like the perfect poem. That like this is like the epitome of what it means to write a psalm. David, he was a, a warrior, a war hero, poet, a musician, like probably a very interesting dude to hang out with. And he wrote these words in Psalm 139. And uh, if you've been here, you know we've kind of been trucking along. We're going to pick up in verse 13. I'm going to read to verse 16. So if you got your Bible in front of you, Go ahead, open that up. It'll be on the screens if you don't. Psalm 139, starting in verse 13. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body, and you knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before even a single day had passed. Mm. 
So for all you note takers, my first point tonight is that you were made on purpose. You were made on purpose. Over the last couple weeks in Psalm 139, we've seen some things, right? That we've seen that God knows everything. That he is omniscient. And because God knows everything, he knows even the parts of us that we try to hide from other people. The parts that we wish nobody knew about, but even though God knows those things about us, he still chooses to love us. That's incredible. Last week, we saw in Psalm 139 that that God is everywhere, that he is omnipresent. We can't hide from God. We're never alone We don't need to make loneliness our identity. We don't need to bring things into who we are that don't need to be there. And tonight we're going to see that the core of our identity, the very center of who we are, is the fact that we were created by God on purpose. Look at all the kind of creation crafting language just in these four verses. Like you made me. You knit me together. I was woven together. God is like this masterful artist who intentionally and very specifically made you. There's nothing random about you. You were actually made specifically on purpose. Look back at verse 13 says that you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and you knit me together in my mother's womb. In the ESV, a version some of you maybe have heard more frequently, like says that you formed my inward parts. In Hebrew, right, we know the Old Testament primarily written in Hebrew before it was ever translated into English. In Hebrew, the word for inner parts is kiliah. And it literally means your kidneys, like your internal organs. So God created our internal, why do we care that God created our internal organs? David, he's, he's telling us that not only our outside, but our inside too has purpose and intentionality behind it. Like I don't knit or sew or weave things, but think of the intentionality and the effort, and the detail that goes into spending all of that time. God was that intentional when he made you, but what David's really getting at in the Psalms, right? Psalms are poems. Poems use figurative language. When David says the kiliah, the the kidneys, these inner organs, what he's really talking about is like the inside of us, the feeling center, the, the conscience the place where our decisions come from, the way that we feel, the way that we think, the way that we believe, even that was made by God specifically and on purpose. I've had so many students over the past few years come to me and be like, God made a mistake when he made me. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm I'm too skinny. I'm I'm not skinny enough. But I've probably had more students over the past few years come to me and say, God made a mistake when he made me. I don't like what's going on up here. 
I don't like what's going on in here. And so I need you to hear me say tonight that you are not a mistake. God didn't screw up the process when he made you. The way that you look is not a mistake, and there's nothing wrong with you. God didn't mess up when he created that the way that your brain works and the way that you feel, you were knit together and woven together by the king of the universe. You were made by him on purpose. In Genesis, we're told that human beings were made in the image of God, so not only is there intentionality behind the way that you were made, but there is value in the way that you were made. I think your problem, I think your problem starts when you start to make these external circumstances and current characteristics your identity. When you start to say, God, I hate the way that you made me look. God, I hate the way that you made me think. If you've ever felt at war against your own brain and you're like, God, you screwed up. That, I think, is your problem because you're in rebellion against the one who made you. That's sin. That's only hurting you. So maybe tonight, like your action step, the thing that you need to walk out of here doing is that you need to repent and ask God's forgiveness for the way that you've been thinking and treating, thinking about yourself. Someone that God himself made really specifically and on purpose. You were made by God on purpose. And so I want to shift the focus tonight to kind of what that purpose is. What's this? Hammer, obvious. What does a hammer do? I suppose there's a lot of things a hammer could do, but what was a hammer made to do? Put nails into wood, right? And then I guess the back end, take nails out. When we say that we are going to define something, definition means of the finite, we define things based on their function and their limitation. What does this do? What can't it do? Right? Think about a hammer. There's some things that it was definitely made to do. There's some things that it cannot do. There's actually probably more things the hammer can't do than things that the hammer can do because the hammer was made for a very specific purpose. Hammer can pound nails into wood, but it can't change the channel on your television. I suppose unless you're like, hitting the remote control with it, all right? The hammer is not going to save you if you are in need of a flotation device. This thing sinks, right? There's a lot that this thing cannot do because it was not designed to do it. It's not the purpose. So note takers, my second point tonight is that you were made for a purpose. You were made for a purpose, once you have deeply believed and internalized the fact that you were made on purpose, then you can start to live into the purpose that you were created for. Your identity is so inextricably linked to your purpose because like a hammer, you were made for something very specific. In verses 13 and 15, like we see that we were made 
like very much on purpose. And in verses 14 and 16, we start to get a an insight into what that purpose actually is. So look back at verses 14 and 16. 14 says, Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous how well I know it. And verse 16, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. If you're an ESV reader, verse 14 says that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. In that original language, the Hebrew again, fearfully and wonderfully made, it's, it's the language used to describe miracles. The purpose that God has for you, for your life, that you were made for is miraculous. You were made to know God and be known by God. That is your purpose. The fact that the God of the universe, infinite, uncreated being, who made everything that is ever been made and ever will be made, that God is knowable by you. That's a miracle. That God who made everything and is infinite and so incredibly powerful chooses to know you specifically. That is a miracle. In John 17, verse 3, Jesus says, This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Your purpose is to know God and be known by God. Your purpose is to make God known. The fact that you have a role to play in bringing the kingdom of God to bear on earth, that is a miracle. Your purpose is to make God known. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, a passage of scripture that we love so much here at Grace Church. We call it the Great Commission, where Jesus says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you even to the end of the age. The great commission given to you by Jesus. That's your purpose. And your purpose is to live in community. To be surrounded by, encouraged by, cared for by, and and living on mission with other followers of Jesus. Your brothers and your sisters in Christ. That type of community, that is miraculous. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25 says... Don't neglect meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Like you were meant, your purpose is to live in community. Each and every single one of your days was laid out by God before you were even born. It was written down in his book before you lived even one of those days, and he chose you to live where you live, to be born into the family that you were born into, to live in this specific day and age of world history. He knew the events that would shape and give context to your specific life. Your purpose, the thing that you were made to do, is to know God and to be known by God 
Your purpose is to make God known. Your purpose is to live in community. So some thoughts. Are you knowing God? Are you being known by God? Like, are you in the word, learning more about him? Do you have a relationship with him where you're hearing from him in prayer? Are you actively participating in your relationship with your creator? Do other people in your circles hear you talk about Jesus? Are you active in sharing your faith? Are you living into your purpose in that way, helping other people discover that the thing that they were created for was to know God and be known by God? Are you here? Are you present in this community? When you show up on a Wednesday night, like, are you actually here or are you not here? You get what I mean? Are you encouraging and being encouraged by these people? Your friends here at Next? Are you caring for your brothers and your sisters in Christ? Your purpose is to know God and be known by God, to make God known and to live in community. You were made on purpose and for a purpose. Your identity is so much deeper, so much deeper than you thought. It doesn't need to be based on external circumstances. Your identity doesn't need to be based on current characteristics. But those things do carry importance, right? Those things do matter, right? God cares about those things, right? So let me close this message to try and help explain maybe some of the complexity in our identity, like who, who we are. See, your identity is rooted in the fact that you were created on purpose and for a purpose. But there's a lot of things that make us us. And uh, I think it can kind of I think it can kind of start to stack up like a deck of cards. Like all of the things that make you you kind of slot together and, and sort of form sort of form a deck. And there's probably a lot of cards in your identity deck, a lot of different pieces of information that start to make you you. You might be a son or a daughter. That might be in your identity deck. You might be a brother or a sister. Like, like these things might be in your identity deck, right? That's an important part of who you are, is it not? You might play hockey or football, basketball or volleyball. Like, these are important things about you, right? These make up who you are. You might describe yourself as like a good student or a bad student. That might be a defining characteristic of who you are, part of your identity. Someday you might decide to go to college. In that case, you know, a place like Iowa State or Bethel or the University of Minnesota or St. Thomas or, or Wheaton, go to Wheaton. That might become a piece of your identity. I'm hoping that going to church is a part of your identity. I'm hoping that being a part of this specific church is a part of your identity. If you can't see, it says grace written on the card. 
I really, really want you to love being at next. And I want you to think about next as a part of your identity, of who you are, is that you're a part of this community. There's probably some random things that make up who you are too, like what your order is from Starbucks or how frequently you make target runs. You know, like that, that, that might be part of who you are, right? But more important than all of them, I hope that this is part of your identity. And if you're in the back and you can't see, I wrote Jesus on this playing card. Like I want this to be not just one of the many cards that make up your deck, but I want it to be the one that's on top. Because if it's on top, then it gives meaning to all the ones that are below it. If it's on top, then it's the first card that you play when things get really, really bad or really, really good. If this card is on top, then all the rest can slot in their particular and specific order. Your deck is not a random shuffle of bits of information. You get to stack your deck. You get to order what is important to you. You get to choose what you think about, what you prioritize, what you are defined by. You get to order your deck. In every single card game, certain cards have priority and value. In spades, spades matter. In hearts, hearts matter. In poker, certain hands are worth more than other hands. In your identity deck, there is one card that gives every other piece of you meaning, and it's this one. It's what do you do about Jesus? There's a passage of scripture that I want us to meditate on tonight. Because as we finish up this message, I want you to just break into little groups, and I want you to think about your identity deck and I want you to think about this passage of scripture. It's Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. I think it sums up everything that we've been talking tonight so well. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. Masterpiece. And that he created us so that we can go do these things that he has prepared for us to do. We are God's masterpiece so that we can go out and live into that purpose. So I'm going to pray and I'm going to close. And what I want us to do is not stack chairs. It's not leave the room. What I want us to do is get into groups. Like get with a few of your friends. Make sure that nobody's alone. Like look around, make sure nobody's alone. But get into little groups and start to talk about like, what's in your identity deck? What's at the top for you right now? Is it Jesus? Is it not? Why is that? Think about this passage. Like, what are the things that God has planned for you to do? What's he calling you to do? Does that make sense? Does that make sense? I want you to, to get into groups, and just for the last few minutes that we have, I want us to talk about those things. So I'm going to pray, and then, I want, then, I'll, then I'll have you move. Does that make sense? All right, let's close it up. Let's pray. Would you play with me? Jesus, I worship you. God, because you are God and I am not. You're worthy of worship and I am not. And God, I confess to you all the ways in which you are not at the top of my life. God, all the ways in which my identity is defined by so many things apart from you. And God, I don't want it to be like that anymore. I want you to be at the top always. So Jesus, would you help me to do that? Would you help these students to do that? God, would you help us to order our identity deck so that everything is in its proper place? 
And Lord, would you help the student in here who is struggling with the way that they look, the way that they think, the way that they feel? Would you show them that you are so much better? I love you, Jesus, and I pray this in your name. Amen.